This is a special edition upload courtesy of the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, as well as the GameSportsShow.com, Spotify, Apple, Podbean Podcasts, and Facebook or Instagram. Special edition uploads are courtesy of having guests or guests on the show or information outside of the show's usual schedule. We will caution you that some language might be offensive to some, but to be prepared for an electric segment courtesy of the game. Now let's go to Dave McKegg Jr. and the crew inside the Game Entertainment and Media Studio. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. Special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, GEM for short, along with the Game Sports Show, the special edition upload is brought to you by Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors. Make sure you check out Compass and Demansky on Facebook, Instagram, and their website on current sale options to not only meet your needs, but also exceed them from signage, banners, main office gear, and much, much more. You're currently listening to the game through one of the many media platforms, including Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean Podcasts, Facebook, and or Instagram where you can find all uploads of the game. You may have also been directed here to one of our many amazing sponsors or broadcasting partners, such as ESPN, ESPN 1400, Sovereign Communications, On TV, Northern Superior Brewing Company, Sports Center Bar and Grill, Northern Critters in Need, North Shore Sports and Auto, and Thrush Creative Co. And may I need to say more about Aaron Robinson. Just look at that website. Like, wow, just unbelievable. If you need a website done, don't even think about reaching out to anyone else but Aaron Robinson with Thrush Creative Co. Now, getting to the special co-host, a man who is full of piss and vinegar, underrated tough guy, pure legend for his trademark clap bombs from the top of the circle, wind up, click, boom, Brendan Brooks, Brooksy. How's it going? Not too bad. It's good to be back again. We're doing it again. Oh, we're doing it again, and we're just firing out these special edition shows. And, of course, as much as I'm in thanks to all of our sponsors and everyone who tunes into our show, i got to give a special corny shout-out to you, Brooksy, for making all these interviews possible. I guess your playing days, you know, despite that it's, you know, was very successful and you've stopped playing, you're still involved in the game and now taking it to the show. So we're very happy that you're a part of us here with the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Now, getting to our guest, and the main reason why you clicked the link Former professional hockey player, played with the Los Angeles Kings, Atlanta Thrashers, overseas, and now is the bench boss with the SJHL's own Humboldt Broncos, the one and only Scott Barney. Scott, thanks for coming on the show here tonight. Uh, great to be on, Dave, and uh, great to chat with Brooksy, too, as well, right? So it's always good to talk, chat with some guys that uh, that played the game. And, uh, you know, I listen to some of your guys' show, and you guys are doing a, doing a great job. Yeah, you know, it's definitely been very busy and, you know, obviously you have a very busy schedule. We're very happy that you are able to join us. And, of course, you can follow you on Twitter as well, right? I believe you're BarnDog44 on Twitter? That's him. Don't use it very often, but uh, usually on there daily just checking stuff out. Obviously, definitely. And you can all obviously look at the Humble Broncos on Instagram and Facebook as well. Now, even before we jump right into the show, I want to make sure I make known to everybody that obviously the tragedy of the Humble Broncos has been known. It affected the hockey world worldwide. And here on today's show, we're worried about the current and looking towards the future. So we're going to look at the aftermath of the tragedy and also what's looking forward for the Humble Broncos as, as well as Scott Barney's career in the National Hockey League and European side and of course when he played with Brooksy because we like to make sure we bring up those stories and if we have the chance to maybe embarrass Brooksy or bring up some funny things to the table just in general we're going to make sure that we do that but overall the humble Broncos a tragedy that did affect the hockey world and still affects everyone today and of course a lot of positives have come out of that we're going to get to everything as we go forward here on the show now Brooksy I'm going to go over to you first with getting started with the show here tonight of course you are 
Hey, you're always, hey, you just want me to do it again, eh? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, you know, it's great to have uh, Scott on here. You know, I, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, it's always great to catch up with old teammates and especially friends. So, uh, so thanks again, Scott. Well, it's great to be on here with you guys, right? And uh, obviously it's, it's good to chat with the hockey guys as well. Just kind of lay back and just uh, say what you feel. Yeah, well, we want to start off, you know, I just want to talk about what's going on there and, uh, you know, with Humboldt, you know, now that you're coach and GM and, uh, you know, just give us a little background of what's going on there. Yeah, obviously I started here as assistant coach and then uh, moved into the head coach GM kind of in the new year there last year, halfway through the season. And then into this year, obviously we had to just finish our season off there as, as a head coach and GM and, uh, Basically, from the season before, we had a, we had a lot older team. We can carry, I don't know if many people know, we can carry eight 20-year-olds in, in the SJHL, which is probably the most in the in all of the this, uh, Canadian Junior Hockey League. So so we had to carry eight there our first year. And we got in the playoffs there. We had a pretty good team. And we had a lot of players where uh, a lot of teams gave up on them. And we were kind of giving them the second or third chance and might have been guys' last chance to kind of kind of prove themselves. But it was, it was a great year uh, uh, coaching many uh Many good, good young men, and many guys have moved on to, to play uh, either K University or just uh, even in uh, the Division One. But then, then into the, the next season, which was just pa- this past year, we decided that we're going to go super young and go kind of against the grain. And and I think they they were saying it's probably the youngest team in maybe SJHL history. We went with two 20-year-olds. Uh, we had about two or three 19-year-olds. We went about 15, uh, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, and then we also had we were the only team with two two 16-year-olds. So it was kind of a building process. It was a long summer of recruiting. And the biggest thing for us was we wanted players who wanted to play here, right? And when I called the guys in the summer, if they said, oh, I want to try this team in BC or I want to try this team in Alberta or I want to stay in Ontario, well, you know what? They're not the right guy for us. And so our big thing is, is building the culture here. And that's uh, what we've done. And obviously teams thought we were going to finish in the, in, in the basement, but uh, we ended up having a great season. Uh, finish in, in the seventh spot and obviously played the second ranked team in, in, in the first round of playoffs there. And uh, we were building towards uh, this coming season where we're going to have uh, 85, 90% of players coming back and hopefully some moves here that we've made uh, coming here on, on, on June 1st when, when we can release some kind of moves. See, now, obviously, the ob- everything in sports has come to a halt. And obviously, we're not going to jump into too much uh, COVID discussion. But you... Overall, how did it feel to to be a part of that rebuild after everything happened? How it felt to be a part of it? Like you know that when you go there, you started off as the assistant role, now taken over as the head position. Like it's been a transition the last couple of years, of course, for yourself. But it must have been that first time walking in the locker room once you got approached to have the job, and even going into having the head job this year. Uh, like it must have been just a different feel. Like overall. Like how you felt inside, nothing that you've ever felt before to come in and just be able to help out the community of Humboldt and just be able to rebuild this program from what af- from everything that happened. Yeah, obviously that first year they're coming in as assists. I remember walking into the trainer's room and uh, you've seen like basically we needed everything from uh, the, the mi- minor thing you can think of to the to major thing, right? Obviously there's so much help throughout the world and uh, so many people gave generous uh, donations to to the hockey club right and uh, and then to the to the to the families that were involved in in that uh, tragic accident right and obviously it's a it's a difficult situation and not one a lot of people like to kind of 
kind of kind of chat about right we've all been on the buses before and uh obviously unfortunately that it was it was those guys that were on there and 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 women as well and uh some many lives were lost and uh you know families don't i, I don't even know how they can even begin to to grieve with the situation of losing your loved one and, and your son and 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 those things but then then moving on to the season there you know, we had a lot of a lot of hype kind of behind it, and, and emotions were flying high at, at many times, and lots of media around. and And for me, I learned a lot about the game in a, in a real short time. And and then for myself, when I moved into the general manager and head coach role, kind of dealing with it more, right? And and either letting guys talk to the press, or maybe just kind of keeping it to ourselves here, and letting letting the guys focus on just just being just being. Uh, young young uh, young teenagers right and, and enjoying their, their their four or five years in junior hockey and kind of not not putting them out the spotlight to see them to see them the, to see them fail right because many people like to see people fail and you know what we had a tremendous group and then went into the summer here and and just felt like we just needed kind of a rebuild and it doesn't usually happen at the junior a level but we just needed some familiar faces here for a couple seasons in, in the humboldt area and you know what the community has been great to me my my family wasn't here the first year, but uh, they've been here all year this this season, and it's been great to have them here. See now, overall, just the community, and this is something that we discussed off air a little bit. Just the reaction from the community in general and in Canada, and just mainly what I want to get to is the support of the support of the overall community in Humboldt. You say how they make you feel welcome with your family, but just how everyone came together after this, and you, you know that that's one thing that was just made everyone emotional worldwide. It's just been. Overall, how Humboldt was able to overcome and rebound from this and be able to support and get the, the, get the hockey organization back up and running. It all comes not just from the players or the staff or the ownership. It comes from the community all coming together as one to help build back such a great franchise. Yeah, like it's, it's like a cliche word, but it's a really tight-knit community. It's, it's 5,500 people, and everybody knows who you are. Uh, everybody knows everybody. Uh, there's a lot of hardworking farm people around here, and uh, you know what? It's just a, just a real hardworking community, and and they love to come to their hockey games. And you know what? Since I've been here, we're probably averaging just over a thousand people to a game, and that's that's tremendous for the junior A level. Not and, and a testament to to the size of the city when you're, you have 5,500 people. So it's been great great for for me as far as the coaching side of it, but obviously. It's uh, just good to get to meet people in the community, right? The more you can open yourself up to them, they're there to help you out. And uh, like I said, you walk in the streets, everybody's there to kind of lend a, lend a hand no matter if you win or lose, right? And just uh, I think they're just happy to have the, the team back going. And hopefully it's something that they're never going to forget. And, and you can't ever blame somebody to forget that. And we'll, we'll always remember that, uh, that tragic day. And just, uh, you know, we play for them every time we put our skates on and, and put that jersey on. The overall playing junior hockey is obviously attractive to many young men playing junior hockey. And, of course, I have thought this is kind of outside the point, but your jersey colors are the best in junior hockey. I've obviously said that aloud to friends, and I will continue to say that again, that I believe your jersey colors are just one of the best in junior hockey, if not all of hockey. I love that color green. I just love that overall. But besides that, as much as people – May, may may not believe is that despite the excitement to go play junior hockey and just have the opportunity to play even if you have the talent to play to be able to go play in Humboldt as many times as I said play in that one sentence they it's despite everything that happened it's, it's a different mentality the players that go in there after what has happened it's a different kind of approach that you'd have to take with other teams do you agree with that 
Yeah, I think a lot of guys have a lot of as a sense of pride putting that jersey on, right? It's no different than like Brooksy's played for his country before he put that Canadian jersey on, right? And and everybody knows the humble Broncos all over Canada. And I said like worldwide, it's almost like you put that jersey on there, you're going to represent those guys that were in that accident and and the training staff and the coaching staff that was here before, right? You just you want to give that extra ten or fifteen percent that you know what maybe some guys have that one every five games where we're trying to get that, you know, what, four out of five games. And it's, it's, and it's worked well. And I said, the biggest thing is we try to build the culture here and it's, it's been great. And we have players that want to be here and we have players from BC, Alberta, uh, Manitoba, you know, Ontario, you know, we, we, we had some American players and, and you know, everybody's came here has loved it. And you know what, it's, it's a good sign for us and, and for the organization and also the coaching staff that players do want to play here for you. See, and I want to say one point, kind of staying on topic of sorts, is from a coaching perspective, how coaches can affect the mentality of a player uh, in turn of a fact that the performance of a player nowadays observe it's like so much more observed, right? But before it wasn't as focused, where the, like overall, just the mentality of a player is so big in today's game that maybe what it was focused on before when you were playing, or even when Brooksy was playing, or even when I was playing. And obviously, we brought up the mentality of being able to go put on the humble jersey and how it's a different approach. But in today's coaching world, it's obviously much different than when you played. But Going into the coach and transitioning to that, did you have to change a lot of what you believed as a player and just overall the mentality of a player, how much that affects the game today and how it's based on how the coach's attitude is? Yeah, like, I, I was fortunate, uh, like Brooksy was, to play uh, a lot, lot later in career than most guys do. So you take a lot uh, from, from the good coaches you have, and you always don't get along with, with every coach, right? You try to get things that, that they taught. Obviously, he was in Europe, so take things from certain coaches. But the biggest thing for me now, these players want to know why. Like, it's not just draw it up on the board, right? It's, it's you got to show them some video. And you got to be 100% honest with them. And, and when you're 100% honest with, with the players and, and you show them a game plan and, and they believe in it, and it's it's like they're the ones that create the culture in the room. You can say whatever you want, right? But they have to believe in it. And you got to show them a reason why that they have to believe in it. And it's uh, for me, it's it's you can't coach every player the same way. you got to know the personalities. And once you can get their personality, then you can maybe coach them a certain way. Maybe one guy you can, you know, you can be a little harder on. Maybe one guy, if you're hard on, you're going to lose them for four or five games. And, and you just can't, you can't afford that nowadays. And, and for us, it's about, you got to have fun, right? We work hard. We don't go two hour practices. And when we have a practice, we really want to focus on what, what we're working on. An example could be, hey, we like to chip the puck a lot. So our, our drills are going to be focused around chipping pucks that day. And our video before the practice is going to be focused on that, either through NHL clips or through major junior clips or just through our own clips here that, that we have through our games, right? So all these guys want to learn and they're smart. They, they know you can't just tell them, hey, you're out tonight because you know what, uh, there's, a, there's another guy we want to get him in. No, they know that, hey, I wasn't good last game. And so they want to hear, hey, I wasn't good, and here's what you got to do to be better, right? And so that's, it's great to, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And obviously, you know, you got to put a little time and effort into it, and I, and I really enjoy that. And, and once you get into something, and, and Brooksy's the same way, once, you're, once you commit to it, you, you're all in, and that's how I am right now. Yeah, you know, I know that you had one player that, uh, you know, kind of had some adversity that was a part of, you know, the tragedy. And and I know he came and talked to him quite a bit, I think, about coming back to play. Is this, is this uh, am I right with this? Yeah, Grayson Cameron, he didn't play the first year. He missed the whole season with a, with a, with a spinal injury and had many more other injuries as, as well with, with the accident. And then he came to us there at the, we were just starting playoffs after the first season, and he was coming through town. And I probably 
uh, you know what, meeting with some of the guys there and, and just staying a couple of days. And he said, Could you mind him come out and skate? I said, no, no problem. Bring your gear. Obviously, the first bit we'll do some uh, some kind of stuff where it's shooting and, and, and not uh, kind of team-based. And you can jump into those. And when we get into team-based stuff, kind of sit out. And then, then we're going to skate at the end. But you don't have to skate, I said. But you know what, we do the practice. He sits down there, chats with the trainer during the during the more more team team oriented drills and then we go to do the skate and it's in three zones you got the the from blue line in you got the neutral zone and you got the far end so we got three zones going on the whistle the one zone goes you go over and back that's one you do it four times and so he said i'm in he does it right then the next group goes the next group when you do it that four times through and as, as you guys know as you played the game it's not an easy skate and you know what us as coaches we join in with the players and i think they kind of respect that but I remember Grayson the last couple times through I was just like like you don't have to go and he's like no I'm I'm, I'm finishing it right like this this is the first time on the ice in almost like nine months ten months right and you knew right from there just the, the leadership abilities has nothing to do with hockey just the heart and drive that kid had right and then he called me that uh, into the summer he said you know what? I'm going to come back I'm going to play but he said I don't want to make this team just because uh, because of the situation I said hey no no problem here I'm here to support you uh, he went through a, an accident with his back, so I kind of tried to give him some things that I went through 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 my career after missing a, a, with a back injury for for three years. And uh, you know what? He was a leader from from day one, right to the day he left. And we still communicate. And the way he helped our younger team there and and, and build that uh, younger team in there was just it's just it's just priceless. And he's he's really showed those guys a, a lot of lessons. But every time they put their skates on and and how fortunate it is to be able to be in that room, right? And and then Grayson's just got rewarded with a, with a Division three scholarship to Northland College, right? And and the, and the coach came to me there like a few months in the season. And he wanted it. He said, how's it? I said, he's the best leader I've ever seen. And he said, yeah, that's that's the guy, guy I want. We're going to have a young team. And, you know, it's just great to see a guy like that get rewarded and just continuing to play. And, and after everything he's been through, I know how hard he had to work over over that uh, that year and a half just to be prepared to play that, that first game of the season. Oh, that's definitely fantastic to see that how he was able to battle that and be able to and how players are coming out of this in terms of just looking at the positive moving forward. It's great. But one thing that wouldn't be positive to move forward would be if you looked at Brooksy's tapes to show your team. You should just stick to showing your game tape to show them how to play the game. Uh, I've, seen that, I've seen that high wide slap shot. I know I've seen it, but he's got the speed. He's tough. And, and sometimes it just goes bar down, though. But uh, yeah, he does get that high down the wing. I, I call it the breakout pass for other team now, but. Uh, that's <laughs> and follow the Broncos on Instagram, and I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Scotty, but SJHL Broncos on Instagram, uh, definitely great to follow them. And obviously on Facebook, you know, you just search the Humboldt Broncos Junior A Hockey Club. It's at Humboldt Broncos to follow them on the social media and to keep locked in with the Humboldt Broncos. Now, we're going to proceed moving forward from the Humboldt Broncos, a team that you're obviously doing a great job with. And we're going to get into yourself obviously when you played and we're going to start here Scotty with jumping into when you played in the Ontario Hockey League which you played in Peterborough you had experiences in Peterborough and we have a good following in terms of the Ontario Hockey League fan base and their Ontario Hockey League Alumni Association Facebook page so I want to jump in to discuss your days in the Ontario Hockey League briefly before we proceed to talk about your professional days and you spent four years there in Peterborough of course and talk about your time in Peterborough the players that you're able to play with anything of such that was just great about the city of Peterborough? Yeah, obviously I had uh, four great years there. Uh, my first year, I was uh, fortunate to uh, 
play in the Memorial Cup. We won an OHL championship in, in Game Seven. Actually, a, a Sioux, Sioux boy scored the the winning goal on a on a former Sioux guy, I believe, in Dan Cloutier, Mike Martone. I think he went bar down and then ran over Cloutier at the same time. And not many times anybody ever goes into Cloutier, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was uh, great memories there. Obviously, then got drafted in, into pro, and then. Uh, from there, kind of just I uh, missed uh, the first three years there. But, uh, no, it was great memories playing in Peterborough. I met my wife there. Uh, we we uh, returned home there just outside Ennismore in the summers. And uh, we really call it home now. See, now, before we jump into even to your injuries, that's one thing we're definitely going to jump into to an extent. You had some, obviously, you played with some like players that obviously were, are known in the hockey world. You got Sean Thornton is one. But even locally in Sault Ste. Marie, a guy named Preston Mitzi is someone that you played with as well and overall just being in that city of peterborough and having that success uh, is just trans it shows like when you move on to that next level got you prepared well go to the professional level where nowadays the game in the ontario hockey league is much different than what it was then i'm going to be honest right now i think previous games of the ontario hockey league uh, is different because of just the speed of the game has come out a lot more uh but overall to the players that you played with i'm sure you have some good tales about even playing with Sean Thornton. That guy was a tough, let's just say, tough man, a beast, if you will. It's not only in the Ontario Hockey League, but when he transitioned into the the NHL and moved forward to professional. Yeah, Sean was Sean was really tough. And, uh, you know, we used to work out a lot in the, in the summer because he's from Oshawa, where I kind of grew up. And uh, I think he, I believe he played two years at Midget, which most, most guys don't do. Then he came to Peterborough and kind of fought his way on the team. But the one good thing Sean was good at is that he was a smart player. He got pucks out on the D side of things. And he was one of those players, if someone got touched, he was in there right away, right? Which doesn't really happen as much uh, anymore. But Sean was as, as tough a customer as you could get. But he could also put the puck in the net. He got around the in, in the goal crease, and then he was good, right? And obviously, he made a great career, won, won two Stanley Cups there. And I think I think he's still working there in the, the Florida Panthers organization. Obviously, you touched on there, played with Preston and Missy, Mitzi from Sioux, and I believe he's still... Still lives there, and uh, I think I played, obviously I mentioned Mike Martone, he's from the Sioux. Uh, Blaine Fitzpatrick came over, who played with the Sioux Greyhounds at, at one point. Uh, you know what, it's just, a, I played with uh, Cameron Mann, uh, I played almost 100 games in NHL. Zach Burke, who's uh, Sebastian Bach's uh, brother. Uh, you know, I had some, some great memories and some, and some great teammates. Jason Williams as well won a cup with Detroit Red Wings and mm-hmm. uh, played played many games and just, uh, you know what, you know what, fortunate like I always tell guys, the, the best part of, of, of your hockey career is, is your years in junior, right? It goes by so fast, and, and then once you get to the pro, and it's just dog-eat-dog, right? So Now, Brooks, I know well, you want – we're going to talk about your injury, and Brooks, I'm going to go to you to discuss that. Yeah, well, I just want to know what it was like, you know. You know, you took, what, three – I think you took three full seasons off, and, you know, I just want to know, you know, what you went through because I know – well, I know, and I want people to realize, you know, how much work you put into coming back to play after being out for three years. And, and I know that uh, you kind of search your way out to find some different ways to come back and be able to play. And you worked with some great people. And uh, I just want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, obviously my last year junior in playoffs, my back started getting sore and we ended up losing out in the playoffs. And then uh, I just, I'd already signed with LA and, and they were splitting the AHL team in Springfield with Phoenix. So I went down there for like, I think I played four or five games. I don't remember how many, but it was down there, and it was just getting worse and worse. And so then I went down to LA, and obviously got some tests done, and really literally couldn't bend over and touch my knees. And uh, it was just some long days, right? So LA sent me to every doctor 
oh, in North America. I seen the doctor who did uh, Gretzky's and, and Lemieux's back surgery. And uh, you know what? Eventually, I did physio for about the three or four months, and it just couldn't couldn't heal itself. I had surgery. It didn't help at all. Cortisone shots, probably nine or ten cortisone shots in it. And and then finally, after about two and a half years, I went to uh, see a guy in Montreal named Dave Campbell. He was an osteopath. And, you know, I drove five hours down there from Peterborough. And, and it's not the easiest drive. It's pretty straight there. It can get pretty boring. So went up there, saw him, you know what, drove home. And, you know what, got out of the car and I could still bend over. I was like, something, something's going right here. So... We talk with Dave, so I go. I drive up there once a week, and I'd say go go up there for like a Monday Monday appointment, and then stay the night and have a Tuesday morning appointment, and then kind of drive home. And he's a busy busy guy to get into. And uh, you know, I kept doing that for for about a month or two, and then uh, seeing a guy in in Toronto named Dave Wright. And Dave worked with the Argonauts, and he was a referee in the OHL. Uh, he had his own clinic there. He was running, and so I'd drive up there three times a week and kind of keep kind of with the same kind of routine and get back into training and, and training different muscles. And, and basically I do is my, my leg and core exercises with them and uh, then drive home was probably an hour and a half with no traffic. And then could be up to two and a half there with the Toronto traffic and kind of came back and started skating with the Pete's there. And then obviously my contract was done and they didn't qualify me obviously. And I don't blame LA, but they were first class to me. Dave Taylor took care of me. He was a GM at the time. And, and you know what, they, they, they tried to find every solution and, uh, you know, I was skating in a, a Can-Am hockey school and, uh, and I was skating around there and, and I, one of the guys is, is, uh, his dad is, is somehow connected or coached at Clarkson and, and that's where, uh, Dave Taylor played and he heard I was skating. But uh, in the previous two weeks, I agreed to go to Pittsburgh on a, on a tryout, but, uh, so get a call two days later and, and my agent called and said, you know what, LA's called and they, they want to bring you back on a tryout. Like, what do you think? I said, well, I owe it to them. You know what? They, they gave me my AHL salary and the signing bonus. And I didn't even play a game. And they took care of my medical bills and, and this and that. And I said, you know what? I owe it to them. We better call Pittsburgh back and, and say, you know what? I have, to, I have to go to L.A. So, and I'm going to L.A. and on a walk-on tryout. And the funniest thing was I remember showing up there at training camp. And then, uh, you know, everybody had these one-piece sticks. And I was still using the wood stick. <laughs> I, guess the game, I guess the game's changed there in three years, right? Uh, Titan or <laughs> right? What, what, were you, what were you using? A Titan or a Hespler or what job? I had the sure. Sherwood, Sherwood the, I don't know, some kind of Sherwood. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I got a couple samples into the one piece, and I, I remember the passes were bouncing off, and I was doing the Brooksy shot there off the glass here for a while. But <laughs> I actually ended up using like a wood stick that was kind of like a, like a one piece, but. It was kind of meant, meant kind of like a two-piece, one-piece stick that was kind of put together. But I used that for most of my my AHL career. But uh, but yeah, I ended up going back with with LA and then signing like a two-way contract. And and you know what? It was in the in the minors most of the year under Bruce Boudreaux, who who you guys know and Brooksy knows well, and was probably one of the best coaches I ever had. So I had him for for three years there in, in Manchester. But was fortunate enough to get called up. But uh, Obviously, had an insurance kind of policy there. If I if I would have played 20 games, then it kind of canceled the insurance policy. And I remember guys joking around in the room saying, "Hey, like, I guess you're not you're gonna pack it in here after about you know in the next couple of weeks." But you know what? For me, just the, the price of being in the room and then 
continuing on to play another uh, 15 years was was worth it just to be around the guys and the camaraderie and and just those things that you you know you take for granted but when you, when you take it, get it taken away from you for three years you kind of you kind of can realize uh, what what it does and I know it really changed me as as a character and a person just just being able to you know persevere through those those three years and be able to get back playing what was going yeah i wanted to ask you like you know what was going through your mind you know you're you're coming back you haven't been played really in three years and then all of a sudden you're going into the ahl to like well an nhl camp and then uh you know and then you're playing in the ahl with manchester which is you know that hockey's fast you know and when you haven't played for three years you know what your first game you know what's going through your mind on your first first time back Oh, it was just great to be back, right? But I remember the first training camp, and Andy Murray runs a really hard, uh, really hard practice, and a great coach as well too. And he, he's taught me a lot about the game. And and I remember the first drill. It literally was probably six to seven minutes long, because anybody knows Andy Murray, he never says five or ten minutes. It's six or seven minutes. It's never five, <laughs> ten, or fifteen. It's there's always a different different number, right? And I remember that felt like two hours to me, and I was done already. And we still had we had still had another like. You know what, 45, you know what, 55 minutes kind of left in practice. But but uh, I thought I was in shape. And, you know, I said, like, hey, I basically came out a major junior and then missed three years and then into that. And and just, just we don't get the, the first game back. is just, you know what, felt like a little bit of accomplishment for myself, right? Just just mentally, right? And obviously no one really could be in your, your shoes and, and feel that, right? But just, just the support I had through my wife at the time. And I, we were just we were just kind of dating then. She's my wife now. But uh it's just the support I always had from her, right? And uh, without that, uh, you know, I may, maybe would have packed it in there probably a few times. But uh, you know what? Once you get playing, you have that momentum going, and you have that uh, the juices flow. And and you know how that still is now. You play with you know some three on three there, and or with some of the extra guys, and it's just it's just like you still don't ever want to lose, right? It's just that you have that uh, you have that uh, that thing ingrained in you. Yeah, yeah the that's the beauty of hockey for sure. So, um, but you know, I, you mentioned Andy Murray, so I want to bring up a story with Andy Murray because I was with the Kings organization the year before you were. So I was with them in 2001 and 2002, and I remember uh, at practice in camp, and I remember he's called Andy called us all over probably to talk about the six or seven minute drill, and uh, all of a sudden you hear these shots hitting off the glass crossbar post and uh, you know you got Zygmunt Palfi doesn't come in just skating around taking slap shots as if he just owns the ice and Andy Murray goes that's what happens when your players are worth more than you are as a co- under contract and I <laughs> thought it was one of the funniest things just to say you know how much money some of these guys were making at the time and uh, you know you let those guys, you just let them go and, you know, make sure that you let them do whatever they need to so they come to perform at the best. And if it's to let him just go roam around and shoot pucks, you let him go and roam around and shoot pucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta manage the personalities, not only performance, right? And that's a, a big thing, especially when guys are making that kind of money. You know, you got to be able to handle them. And obviously, Andy could handle the guys in the right situation. And I remember Bruce was, was great at it as well. And just, uh, it's good to see how coaches did it in, in the days. I remember Andy Murray on the road would put, you get a sheet of paper underneath your door and both sides were full of basically what you were doing that night. And for me, I loved it as a younger player. because I knew exactly my role, what I needed to do. Right. And, and uh, he was very detail oriented. Right. And uh, didn't miss a beat. And uh, you know what? He was, he was, he was a great coach and still coaching there at Western Michigan. 
You know, one thing, like he obviously had a great coaching time, and obviously Bruce Boudreaux that we've talked about, look at his resume, speaks for itself. But overall, you as a player, when you're playing in Manchester, especially in 03, 04, you obviously had Bruce as the head coach. You also had George Peros on that team. Okay, obviously someone else who is known, and Mike Camilleri, some guys that are known. One thing I want to know about George Peros, did he have that stash when you were playing there for the first first question about George Peros? <laughs> And just having the guys around that you were Im- impacted by, like Mike Camilleri and the AHL, then we're going to get to you about what you did in the National Hockey with players, but just the players in that organization just seems like they developed really well in Manchester. Yeah, and, and Bruce did a good job, right? He always had some really good uh, good veteran guys around, right? He always had the good the good guys that kind of take care of the younger players. And uh, I remember my first captain was, was a Dane Jackson and Dane's now, I think I believe associate coach at UND. And I ran into him there a couple of times at a couple of different uh, prospect events. And uh, you know what, then then Dane the next year and then taking over as a conditioning coach and, and just the, the leadership, he had guys, just like similar players like Grayson Cameron, the way they worked hard every day, no matter what they, they, they put 110 in and, and they got the, the boys together all the time as, you know, doing team bonding things. And, uh, you know, obviously played with Cam O'Leary there. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. And, and over my HL career, many, many, many great players played with and, and against, right? And, and just the difference of, of how close it is from the AHL to NHL, right? And, and same as on the East Coast League to get to the AHL. There's so many good players at each level could be playing, right? It's just getting getting that right opportunity and, and that coach who really believes in you, right? And that's the that's the biggest thing I believe in. And Brooksy could probably attest to that. See now, George Perils, did he have that stash though? Now, he could grow up, but he didn't have it all the time. But he he came oh. out of university, right? The Princeton pugilist, we called him, right? And uh, he was he was he was. Uh, remember that beginning there? He was fighting, right? And in college, there's no fighting, and and he had a hard time with the balance, maybe for the first. Uh, few months but once he got that i don't think many guys were getting the upper hand on him right because he was he was strong and he worked out like so hard and the dedication he had to the game right is huge and obviously that goes hand in hand with the job he has now with, with the nhl definitely it's just it's hilarious to see i think that stash is just a trademark right and we've had some tough guys on the show one being trevor gillies and there's heavyweights in the national hockey league and george peros is definitely in that heavyweight category now you transition from the american hockey league up to los angeles kings and obviously you briefly talked about it uh throughout when you were talking about after your injury but you play 19 games okay and not a big deal here but i'm just gonna throw the stat to anybody out there five goals six assists 11 points in 19 games in the national hockey league okay i'm going to repeat that not a big deal okay you were just absolutely flying it seems like so you get 11 points in 19 games and when you scored your first goal okay i need to know if you did a big celebration first off and secondly just the players you get when you get called up to the kings at luke robitaille alexander frolov ziggy palfrey we've already briefly discussed and then obviously sean avery and i need obviously to bring up sean avery in a little bit as i know you both yourself and brooksy if i'm correct played with sean avery who's an absolute beautician if you will outside in the world right now but first scoring that your first nhl goal and then just playing with legends just like luke robitaille we've talked about a lot of players right now i've brought up a lot of players but overall there was a good company in the in the la organization yeah they had some they had some good players through there and i remember the first goal obviously it was it was uh, on Dwayne rolls in, in minnesota minnesota gets outstanding crowds and just kind of grabbed the puck and just tried to put it towards the net and i think there was there was bodies at the net and just kind of went over over his uh, shoulder there and 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 it was a it was a big goal that night for, for LA and we ended up going on to win the game. I think I don't think I believe it was five two or or four two. But uh, and then Robotai obviously playing there like 
probably one of the best all-time left wingers. He was just so smart to put himself in those little small pockets or areas to get that puck, right? He didn't have the hardest shot, but he, he could put it in the right areas, right? And he could always get it off quick, and the goalies weren't ready for it. And uh, you know what? He was one of the hardest workers I've ever seen because after every game that I was up, he's the first guy in the gym or in, in, on the weights, and, and he was at the end of his career then. And, and you know what? He worked. He worked harder than anybody else, and you know what? This shows that he didn't want anybody else to take his job, and he wanted to keep playing and playing, and and uh, just an amazing talent there. And obviously, you go with, with, with Sean Avery, and you know what? Sean was actually treating me very well, and uh, you know what? He he was as tough as you get him, and you know what? He had skill skill to back it up as well, and uh, you know what? He he didn't he didn't stop talking at the end of the bench, but you know what? He he was a great player, and uh, he backed everything up that uh, that he said. See, Brooksy, and you played, obviously, too, with Sean, and the tactics that he had on the ice as he moved on to even, especially New York, is still talked about today. Well, I just find that, uh, you know, with Avery, like uh, Scott said, the guy was skilled, too. Like, he really was, but, man, did he drive you nuts. Like, to play against him, I hate it. I was his teammate, and him and I were kind of similar players, and when we played together, I honestly wanted to kill him 90% of the time. I, you know, we fought quite a bit, too, in practice, so many times actually but at the same time he does his role better than anyone like he had it down and the thing is the guy could play and you know what he wouldn't back down you know if you wanted to fight he was going to find a way to fight you even if he knew he was going to lose he'd get so under your skin that you'd probably take an extra penalty and you know and what he did against uh, New Jersey on Bruder, you know it changed the game it totally they made a rule you know I mean the fact that he thought of that and kind of invented it. So, uh, you know, to have that rule is, you know, he, he was a talent, but uh, he did his role well, and, you know, he got under everyone's skin. Yeah, 100%, 100%. <laughs> he was very good at that, and that was, like you said, his role, and I think there's a lot of players that are still trying today to perfect that role a different way, but no one could be better than what Sean Avery was. And there's obviously some media trouble that he had, and I won't get into that because it's just not necessary to bring that up. But right now, he's obviously big, in terms of social media, especially on Instagram, his videos with the bike, that is absolutely hilarious. Okay, I, I thought I'd bring that up randomly. I'm not sure if either of you caught those on Instagram with his video about uh, people parking on the bike lane, but that's something if you haven't checked out, if you want a good laugh, that's one thing that would be good to check out. Now, after L.A., you when you transition from L.A. and you go uh, play the Chicago Wolves, then you go over to the Atlanta Thrashers, and you play three games over there in Atlanta, and alongside, obviously, with the Atlanta Thrashers, you had the Marion Hostas, Mark Savard, Ilya Kovalchuk, who is still sniping pucks today, Bobby Holik, there's a legend as well, but playing in Atlanta... And I and obviously I'm I'm not throwing don't mean to throw you on the spot by any means but LA has built such a pretty a strong fan base from the celebrity side and just fans overall and a big part of that was number 99 when he got traded there from the Oilers but the overall atmosphere from LA to Atlanta there must have been a little bit of a difference yeah it's def- definitely difference and definitely some of the players enjoy that right it's a little quieter and things going on but obviously I was most of the time in in the AHL right so. But I uh, obviously got my, my few games up there, but uh, obviously Atlanta was only another year or two, and then they had to, they moved on to, to Winnipeg, right? So it's funny when you click on the NHL alumni page, you got to click on their Winnipeg Jets, and it kind of feels a little weird there for myself. But uh, I guess that's the what the realm it's under there there for uh, one of the teams you played on. But uh, you know what? Like in Chicago, I was traded great. Like they run a first-class organization there. Obviously, Atlanta, when you get up, it's the same thing, right? They they take care of you. Obviously, they had Kovachuk and Mark Savard was one of the best pastors I've ever seen. 
you know what, the, the talent went on and on. But uh, obviously Hosa was there as well, and uh, Bob Hartley was there coaching. Who's uh, was a really really hard coach and uh, really pushed guys uh, to 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 get the most out of it. And at the time, that was kind of the the way of, of coaching, right? To, to get how can you get the most out of each guy? And and you might be pushing them a little bit over the line or pushing too hard, but. Uh, you know what? Like, hey, sometimes in the end, it's it's good to get pushed to push a little hard. It makes you it makes you a better player and better person. And uh, obviously, uh, I think he's coaching now over in, in in Europe, right? And and doing a good job over there. Now, speaking of Europe, especially, we're gonna get into what you did overseas shortly. But there's definitely two things I want to bring up further in terms of the NHL than in Grand Rapids. In Grand Rapids, I know you and Brooksy have a story about a certain bar outing, but I'll let you and Brooksy jump into that one. The first first part of that point that I want to tell you in the NHL is the best line that you ever played on between the NHL and AHL. You know, like, what was the best line that you played on when you were in either league? You can choose either or. Well, when I was up in L.A., I was, uh, I was, uh, I guess, gifted or lucky lucky to, lucky to play with, uh, it was uh, Joseph Stumpel and, and, and uh, Alexander Froloff. And I know Froloff, he really likes to hang on to that puck. And I was playing the offside and all three of us were right, right shooters. And I used to kind of get too close to him, I think, sometimes. And he'd bring two, three guys to him. And I just kind of try to get lost. So maybe he could hit me with an open net tap in or something. But he was definitely both really talented. Uh, I think Stumpo was still using the wood stick back then. Him and Paul Fee were really tight. They're from Slovakia. But uh, obviously played with some some good players in the American League. Uh, one of my best years in the AHL. Played with uh, a guy named Billy Tibbetts and uh, Ramsey Abit. So had had some good teammates there. Probably my best year far as uh, far as uh, personal success. But obviously played in Manchester, uh, Hershey. We lost in the Calder Cup final. Played with some great players. Mike Green was there. Uh, uh, Matt Hendricks, uh, Dave Steckel, Thomas Fleischman. That team was just full of uh, NHL guys, right? So it was just a, a great spot to play as well. Definitely. Now, I know I brought up the Grand Rapids bar story. I'm not going to say what it is because I just I got a little teaser before we jumped on the show. So I'm going to let I'm going to actually pass over to you, Scott, to talk about the Grand Rapids story with, with yourself and Brooksy at the bar. And I believe it was on Halloween or something. It was it was I think this one was at, at Christmas break or one of those breaks that you get. But uh, I was out with my father-in-law and, and my wife just having a few Christmas maybe celebratories and then. Uh, you know what, Brooksy came and, and joined us, and then all of a sudden, you know, we had time to go home, take a taxi, and, and I don't know what happened there, but Brooksy can tell that, that part of it. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the thing is, we went out, and, uh, you know, I, we grab a seat at the bar. I'll, I'll never forget it, you know. But, uh, you know, we're, we're drinking, uh, you know, going one for one or whatever, but, you know, not trying to drink lots. Just we're, we're socially drinking, enjoying our time, but, you know, We've been there for hours, and the thing is, Scott is a big man, and I'm not that big. You know, I'm five ten, and then you got Scott. He's what six three, six four, and uh, we're going to town. He gets up like no problem, and uh, I get up off the stool because we sat there all night, and I go down. I went straight down, and I looked up. I wasn't, I didn't feel drunk, and I looked up, and I'm like, I can't move my legs. And I remember I couldn't move my legs. And I remember looking at Scott. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't move my legs. He started laughing. And then all of a sudden, I started to feel really drunk while I was laying on the floor. (laughs) And then I remember that, I don't know who it was, Scott, but I remember yourself and somebody else was helping me out. And this never happens to me. And it's the fact that we just sat there all night and we didn't move and we were just drinking. And I just remember you carrying me out and, and what a night. 
<laughs> yeah, we got got him home anyways. It was, we got him home safely, and that was that was the main thing, right? So just uh, it's crazy Safety how first back then, and then uh, you have a have a have a few drinks, and it hits you pretty hard after like a workout or something, right? It's just uh, just the way it is, and the way it was maybe back then. So is it safe to say, Bruxy, that Barney is a better drinker than you? Oh, I would definitely say. See, Barney loves his beers. You know, he, he can, he can, uh, he always liked beers and, uh, I'm not a big beer drinker and, uh, I, I'm going to blame him for, you know, cause every time he had one, he ordered me one, you know what I mean? So my pace is usually a lot slower and, uh, but we had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, that's, a, it's a memory that we could talk about and nobody was hurt. I survived it. They got me home. That's the end of it. And it never happened again there during that season, you know, and, and that was a season of some up and down crazy things, but uh, it was uh, it was a great place to play, that's for sure. Yeah, that was for sure, right? And just nowadays you can you have you have one or two beers and you feel it the next day, so it's better off not, especially when the kids are getting up at. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. No, then obviously when you guys go, it just it gives you an excuse to party harder now, you know, because then you get <laughs> it's a little bit cheaper now. Yeah, you, the thing is. We get our days are like probably once every three months now. Let <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me pay for it the next day nowadays for sure, especially as the age starts to climb up. But you have the after you played in Hershey in 07 08, you jumped over to Europe and you have different experiences overseas. So it comes for you now, you have a decision to make if you're going to continue to play in American Hockey League, if that was a choice, or going overseas. And obviously, you went to the overseas route. So, how that all, how that process get brought up, and just so your overall experiences overseas. I know Brooksy has experience overseas, but yourself playing in various leagues, it sounds like you're able to travel the world. And you know that's almost the best thing to do. It seems like from a hockey perspective now in general that you know what if the NHL is an avenue that not I shouldn't say is not an option but just that if you want to go to a different side of your career or explore the world just European hockey is just the way to go yeah it was it was a great great opportunity for myself and you know what one at first I was kind of hesitant there for a couple of years and finally made the leap over and and you know what I wish now I would have went over a little earlier there but uh, you know I started in Finland and uh, really I mean started in Germany sorry and Really enjoyed our, our time there and then uh, went over to Finland, had uh, two and a half years there and enjoyed that and kind of moved around from, I think, from, seemed like from uh, spot to spot. But, you know, I re- really enjoyed it, finished off in Asia there. It was a great experience as well. Uh, the last year I was, when I was in, in Asia, I ended up playing on basically 15 of the guys on my team in, in South Korea, represented uh, South Korea in the, the last Winter Olympics. And so that was, uh, got to go to a game there and watch watch them play in the, in, in outside Seoul and obviously many different memories winning winning a champ couple championships over there uh obviously obviously the pressure is a little higher to perform and that's what kind of keeps you getting your contracts but just the way the fans are involved in in every game it's just it's just incredible the way they support your team and you know what you you're a hero you're a hero when they when you win but you're you're a zero pretty quick when when you lose right and can cost guys jobs pretty quickly but you know what you know what? Uh, I love you. Love rising up to the pressure. It's the same thing now as a coach, right? You wanna you wanna be the best you can every day. Brooksy, you had some extensive experience overseas too. I know you two have sort of different experiences, but is there a league, Scotty, that jumps out to you that you were like? Obviously, I know you talked a lot about Asia there, but is there one league that stands out and says, you know what? That game fits my style, or or that was one that's most memorable because of this. 
Oh, I, I enjoyed my time in Finland, right? It's a fast league, and I've seen a lot, many guys from America come over and struggle, right? Because those guys can skate, and every day they're competing, right? And and just probably the best teammates I ever had are from, from Finland, and just just good people, right? They want to see the best for you, right? Which sometimes in the pro game it can, you can find sometimes, but sometimes it's hard to find, right? And, or maybe trust in certain guys, and it's just sometimes it's, it's – uh, you know, everybody, everybody wants to see their own career do well as well, right? So Finland was great. Austria had a great time, won a championship there. Uh, obviously, like I said, Korea was was good. Uh, you know what? I try to make the, the most everywhere you go, right? Try to speak the language a little bit, and the people will help you out, right? And, and for me, it's helped me a lot in my coaching career. It's being able to, to adapt to different cultures and situations, and, and it's helped me and my wife just to sit, you know, with our kids as well. Our, our, one, our one kid started with the school in, in, in South Korea, and then went back to Canada. So it's helped her adapt to different situations or maybe a time when, when things are going, going the wrong way kind of helps, helps you get through it a little quicker. But, you know, I said it's helped me tremendously in, in my coaching career, being able to deal with uh, different players, different attitudes, uh, your different surroundings. And, and, and for me, the biggest thing is just, just being a good person can get you, get you real far. See, definitely now just overseas in general is just a proud thing i know we've heard a lot of positive and negative and brooksy i'm not too sure where uh, the city or the country was in general that we've heard a lot of negative i can't remember the top of my head i'm not sure if it was italy or if it was uh in yeah Russia. it was italy yeah like there's a lot of you know sometimes there's some horror stories there in italy for guys that weren't getting paid and are owed <laughs> a lot of money and you know, I, I think it's you know in some of the spots like i know that in russia some players have had the same trouble in the khl which is a very you know high-end league in europe and uh you know it happens but uh you know for the most part i think when you go over to europe i find it to be such a amazing experience like you know scott said it himself i wish i went over earlier you know it's something that you once you go over there and you you're living they give you a house they give you a car everything's for free and they just treat you so well and want you to be a part of it and and guys like like you know scott said like himself like you know when you're trying to take in the culture of where you're living and you're a kind person it's amazing what people will do for you over there and and especially overseas i think i think italy is a common theme with me and him but i think it's a common theme many guys with with what he mentioned there as well with the with the pay stuff but uh, yeah a lot of great experiences for sure you know, it's just playing overseas in general. Couldn't envy you guys more. You can just travel, see see the world. It's just absolutely fantastic. Not that you don't get that opportunity when you play in the National Hockey League, American Hockey League, or even the East Coast or anything. But you're in North America. We're from North America. Going over to foreign territories. And you're arguably playing in a league that a lot of that talent and a lot of that pace of that game overseas is getting brought over here to North America. Obviously, like the hitting, the the fighting, everything is starting to get more of a backburn. Not saying hitting is because that's still part of the game and they should never take fighting or anything out of the game, but speed and speed. And you can attest to this as a coach, Scott, that speed is a part of the game. Possession, puck possession in general is so part of the game. And it seems like like cycling was a big part of the North American game, where now in Europe, I don't, and I think you guys can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but cycling was not big over in Europe. I think it's, it's, it's all puck possession, and then it tra- it's transitioned over here where the speed, puck possession, doesn't matter what size you are, you can be five foot eight or six foot five and still be a dominant hockey player. The size doesn't really matter anymore. No, you, you got to be able to skate nowadays, right? And it just... Unless you unless you got a real smarts for the game, right? You got to be able to move, right, and move the puck. 
and, and think and, and, and know we're no two or three plays ahead of the game, right? And obviously, like you said, there's no dump and chase hockey really much anymore, right? You want to you want to put it in the spot that you're getting it back, right? You don't we call it like almost like a, it's a turnover for us when you just give them the puck or dump it to their goalie. Like it's now the other team's coming back out, right? So now 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 you got to now you're on your on your on the defense, right? So just uh, the more you can play with the puck, the, the less the other team's going to put it in your own net, right? And in the end, you got to score more goals than the other team. So I think that's that's a big thing that's carried over from Europe. And you know what? Those kids work. You see, like when I was in Finland, there'd be six-year-olds right up to however old and they're already starting to do the training right and this is this is 10 years ago right so can't imagine how, how far it's taken their game right and that uh, you know in north america now you see these kids are in the gym you know a week after the season ends and there's new tryouts and then they're on the ice three times a week and you kind of know where they get it from but obviously you know what it's great to play another sport right to get your mind away from it as well definitely you did roller hockey brooksy so you can attest to that oh yeah well yeah for me i I found, uh, you know, sometimes just getting away from the, from the game for a bit was, was great. But, you know, I was able, my way to get away with it was to play inline hockey because to me it was so different. It was four on four. There was no hitting. It was a way for my body to heal but still stay enough in the game and, and be a part of it. You know, I got to represent my country a bunch of times, uh, travel all over the world through inline hockey and uh, – uh, you know, back in the day, you could make a lot of money playing roller hockey. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play for one of the best teams in the world at the time, which was Rink Rat. Uh, and, um, you know, we went to these tournaments and we'd win all these money tournaments. I don't think we lost a game for five or six years. And to be a part of that was something special. And, you know, and then I'd go right back into playing hockey. And, and I know people nowadays are starting to, to realize that, you know, putting on the rollerblades isn't going to affect your stride. Uh, you know, these all these things that they used to say back in the day. Yeah, they get the Mars blades on now, it seems like the kids, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are unbelievable, by the way. The guy looks like you could turn on a dime. I wish that that was more like I rollerblades. Uh, you know, that's one thing that should be focused in today's training. Yeah. Now, your problem Scott- was you were using roller skates, Dave. That was your problem why you struggled with the inline there. Oh. <laughs> I got the roller skates for a 15 year career. But didn't see, that, right? <laughs> see if I can still dig the old mission rollerblades out of the garage and see if I can get them pull the dust off them. Now, before we get the final thoughts here, I got one question to really throw you on the spot. I love asking guests this. We've asked this to Evan McGrath, someone that you're obviously familiar with as well, Scott. And yeah. I even even shot this over to Trevor Gillies in our extended version that you could check out on the Game Sports Show media platforms. But if you had to choose, two line mates to play with right now or in your whatever you want any kind of area and you're in a three-on-three tournament it's just you two or it's just you and these other two guys on the ice you're going for a million dollar grand prize i don't know some big grand prize you have to choose two line mates who are you choosing uh for me it's just Connor mcdavid with his speed right so Connor mcdavid would be one and maybe i'll pick a defender maybe like an eric carlson right just the way they both handle the puck and and carlson moves it and jumps into the holes right so so for me, it would be this kind of he gives it to me and then, then McDavid just goes, right? And then McDavid can go end to end. And maybe I just I, – hopefully that by the third guy he beats, I just kind of get open back door there and he slides. <laughs> right? so You're I coming in late goes, for sure right? with so those I usually don't miss. I'm coming in late, so everybody else is staring at McDavid <laughs> so he just hit me down the slot maybe, right? But <laughs> – Definitely he's like, already done two laps and then yeah. coming in. <laughs> uh, definitely one of the fastest if not the fastest guys ever to play hockey now scott but now we'll get into our conclusion here i want to give uh, you the floor again on ways that they like 
players, any kind of anyone can reach out to the humble Broncos or to yourself on social media? You know what? Like for myself, we just hey, we appreciate everything here that people have given back to the to the Broncos through the through, through the, obviously the the sad tragedy that uh, that went on and uh, you know support we still get here on on our social media platforms. But uh, for myself, it's always great to have a chat with with some hockey guys and and share stories and catch up about you know what things that happened in the past and, and you know what how things go go nowadays. Obviously, the game's changed a lot, and uh, obviously for myself, hopefully one day move up in the major junior here soon and then into the pro ranks and uh, obviously that's uh, everybody's goal you want to be at the at the top of the uh, totem pole or you're, or you're probably in the in the wrong business but uh, hopefully we can catch up uh, one day soon here and I appreciate you guys having me on definitely now Brooksy any final thoughts or anything before we get to sign off no I just want to thank you Scott for coming on you know we've been friends a long time and uh, I really appreciate you and uh, I wish you all the best and success for uh, your coaching career Thanks a lot, Brooksy. It's uh, been great to have on, get on here and, and chat as well. Definitely. Now, Scotty, I'll say thank you again on my point. And, you know, obviously taking the time out of your busy schedule and everything that you're doing over there with Humboldt is fantastic. Your time when you played is fantastic. Now, even though you had 11 points in 19 games, I still think that is fantastic. That 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 is amazing. <laughs> Okay, I'm so jealous. I Scoring a goal in the National Hockey League is every kid's dream. And you know what? It's something that you've done, and that is, I'm so envious of that. And overall, playing in the Los Angeles organization, you had a lot of good players there and a lot of good players to be around with, which obviously was great for your career, but now getting into the coaching ranks, you're definitely someone that we can see moving up the ranks. And the Game Sports Show here can say that we had essentially your first interview before you went up to those ranks, okay? I'm taking credit for that. I I, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, you know what, for myself, like I said, hey, it's – there's some great stories from the past and obviously want to move up as well and, and, and get to the get to the next level. Definitely. Now, on behalf of Brendan Brooks and, of course, our special guest, Scott Barney, and obviously our sponsors, in particular with Compass Imaging Group and Demansky Office Interiors, make sure you give them a, a checkout on Facebook, Instagram, their website. There are many sale options available that will meet or exceed your expectations. Shout out to ESPN, ESPN 1400 Sovereign Communications on TV, North Superior Brewing Company, Sports Center Bar and Grill, Northern Quitters in Need, North Source Sports and Auto, and of course, Thrush Creative Co. And if you've been listening on Spotify, Apple, Podbean, our website, Facebook, and or Instagram, make sure you hit like, follow, or subscribe. Boy, I don't like saying that, but I definitely got to say it. You got to make sure that you do it because you want to make sure you keep it locked here on the Game Sports Show, brought to you by the Game Entertainment and Media, or GEM for short. Because definitely we think we're a bunch of gems on the show. Now, we're going to get into our conclusion. I am here to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bat, catch your touchdown, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah. <laughs>